Back on the Northland Sports page, time to get to a guy that knows a thing or two about watching the batter swing and knows how to correct things when they don't go so well. Twins could maybe use him now. Former member of the Twins coaching staff and the Detroit Tigers as well. Joe Vavra right around the corner. Dave Cook, of course, we think of our friendship with Joe, and there's so many cool friendships that we established when we were part of the Duluth Huskies. Those days are gone, yeah. but those friendships never are, and I love that. No, I, I agree, and it's it's fun when you have the opportunity to pay attention to the game a little bit different because you have friends in it, You know, whether it's somebody in the front office, somebody on a coaching staff, somebody who's playing. I, I mean, that takes the game to a different spot. And suddenly somebody who's a father of a big league ball player as well, Taryn Vavra, former Duluth Husky, now a big part of the Baltimore Orioles attack. Baltimore is kind of the forgotten entity to the American League East, and probably unfairly so. We talk about how good that division is. Baltimore is a big part of how good that division is. Well, it is, but people across the country haven't had to pay attention to Baltimore for four, five, six years. And so since that 2015 Buck Showalter team, really, and uh, you got to pay attention to them now. Absolutely. People will today, the Preakness today, but of course the Orioles aren't just second fiddle now. The Orioles are a big deal in Baltimore. Taryn Vavra is as well, and in our world, Joe Vavra always is. So we bring in the coach, Joe Vavra. Joe, as I said during the break, it's always great to hear your voice. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, Brian, Dave. Good to, good to be on with you. It is great to catch up. Now, a lot has changed in life since then, but a lot has changed in baseball since then. Yeah. And just about everybody that we've had on this baseball season, we had Denard Spann a few weeks back. We had Dukes Knutson, who is a Duluth native who helps run the press box for the Tampa Bay Rays. We kind of channeled into Tampa Bay Ray baseball for about the last month because, hey, who hasn't followed what Tampa's been doing? But the big topic, of course, is the new rules and how the game looks. Now, some get-off-my-lawn guys are like, this isn't baseball as I recognize it. What the heck is this? But in other ways, I think we overreacted, and, and the game looks a little better in terms of pace and, and crispness, what have you. When you watch it now with the pitch clock and all the changes, what goes through your head in terms of good or bad for baseball itself? Well, you know what, Brian? I think it's good. Uh, I think it's good for everybody, the fans and the players. You know, uh, most of the minor leaguers are used to it because they they went through those rules for the you know last three four years, and uh, and then if they get to the big leagues, it's kind of customary for them, and they're they're used to it. So, um, good pace of play is a lot better. I think everybody enjoys that. Um, you know, it's kind of like it used to be. There was a respect about you know you didn't you didn't do your own thing and. You know, have to do uh, your batting gloves, uh, unstrap them, strap them, strap them. The pitcher didn't have like nine different sets points before he delivered, and you know, 40 seconds later he's delivering a pitch. So those rules are good because in the old days none of that applied. I mean, it was like, hey, get the ball, make your pitch, let's get on with it, let's go. And uh, it's too bad that it's kind of kind of uh, went that way, and that we've had to enforce some rules. It really is, but but nonetheless, I think it's much better. Joe, how the that particular change in mind, the pitch clock, the batter clock, what, how how difficult is it for a player with a long history um, of of habitual practice? Right, I mean that's the thing about sports that you do things to grind it into a habit, so you do things the same way. How long does it take for a player to you know introduce an entirely new habit into their swing, into their delivery, whatnot? Well, I think uh, you know they they have to deal with it right away. It's 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 automatic. At one point in time in their career, uh, they did that. There was none of that drama and uh, the uh, spectacle of, and the, the you know the taking center stage every every pitch, and it wasn't about drama. Um, I think one point in time that you did that. So I, it it hasn't been to my recollection. Yeah, there's guys that have had to make you know they 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 don't 
probably make us quality pitches and location and stuff like that because they, they feel, feel rushed. But I think by now the majority of them are making the pitches to the plate well within the frame time that they, they're given the 15 and 20. I think that's accurate, but so much of the pitch clock or just the clock, as Dave put it, has been about how does this affect the pitcher? You were a hitting coach. How does it affect the hitter? Because, you know, we've seen pitch clock violations, but twice in the last couple series we've seen hitters get called for violations. We've had twins strike out on that. How much of rushing an offensive approach is part of this too? What do you think it changes? Well, same thing. I mean, at some point in time, they've, they have handled it well in the past, you know, and then, um, you know, it takes kind of the thinking out of the, out of the way for me. I think you got to, I think you have to have a plan going up there and stick with your plan because you can't step out of the box uh, and, and try to, you know, rack your brain around what might be coming the next pitch. You've got to have a pretty good idea how he's going to pitch, what you intend to do. And I think those things are all good. I mean, Taryn himself, he, he says he's used to it. He likes it. He doesn't feel rushed. Most of the players I talked to in Baltimore and, you know, when the Angels were there, they they didn't feel rushed at all. They just felt like, you know, get on with it. It's almost a little bit better. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to think as much. And um, for a lot of times, uh, you know, the natural reaction and having a plan is way better. You know, Joe, that that uh, our con- Brian and I conversation earlier about about this kind of change brought me to this question, and that is, so people now are throwing the sweeper, which uh, we used to call, I believe, a sweeping curveball. Has has there been um, a trend or anything that's come across the baseball world that you look back and say, okay, this is ridiculous. We used to do this all the time. Uh, well, as far as pitch descriptions, you know, the cutter used to be a slider, and you just it was a harder slider or, or more of a sweeping slider, and everybody had their different shape uh, up and down side, east to west, and and um, you know, so they've always over the history of the game kind of changed the changed the description about whoever mm-hmm. whoever comes up with sweeper and it and it uh, all of a sudden catches fire then the, pretty soon everybody in the media and everybody gets hold of it and it becomes a sweeper and then they identify it as a sweeper so that pitch has been around yeah been around for a long time and uh, i don't think they can they can create a pitch that hasn't been around forever it's just uh you know every so often they they re re-identify it relabel it Back to the offensive side with you being the hitting coach that you were for the Minnesota Twins. One of the big offensive changes, of course, too, has been the banning of the shift. And I look at that and I go, well, well, did we? I mean, we did in the sense that not an entire side of the infield can be vacated anymore. But at the same time, you're still seeing guys being played to pull, being played to spray the opposite way. I've still seen Carlos Correa cut balls off that look to be, you know, absolutely labeled for up the middle. So he's still right there. You know, they're, they're playing with that no man's land of, of being just a step away from where you can legally play, that kind of thing. Are you really seeing this going, well, the shift banning is changing everything, or, or this is just kind of business as usual? Uh, it's it's both. It's business, business as usual, and it's, it's really kind of better for, you know, you think about the veterans that, you know, a little slower in their running speed and, yeah, they're a fan favorite, and they got milestones to to reach, and and all of a sudden you're playing, and you know your second baseman's playing out next to the right fielder, and your shortstop and third baseman are playing over there, and you know that ball, he hits a missile, and the ball goes through, and it goes right to that uh, roving right fielder, and he throws him out with a long throw by 10 feet. You know, it's like 
that the fans want to see more of those veterans, you know, be productive. I think Major League Baseball and the Players Association would agree with that. That they want to, they want to make sure that, uh, um, you know, they can they can capitalize on those guys and, and uh, you know give them their fair their fair ado as they get older. And um, uh, I don't I don't see I see more hitters now, even with the shift being gone. But I see. I see more hitters actually trying to do the straightaway approach, trying to go opposite side, trying to stay inside the ball, use the whole field. I see more of that, and you would think you wouldn't. You'd think you'd see more guys just dead pull because there's less, you know, just less shifts. But um, you know, I, I do see shortstops play right on that line. I see second basemen play. You know, if I, if I'm charting a guy, I'm going to play him where it comes off of the exit velocities, the maximum. And I'm going to center that guy, exit velocity and repetitions, how many, you know, quantifiable, uh, you know, bad balls does he have to a certain area. So I'm going to play him right in the middle of that and just let the, let the second baseman be a better athlete. Joey, we, the Twins now have had some injuries and they're bringing some kids up from the minor leagues. And some of them work and some of them don't. And, you know, we've talked about that with some of the other stops. You know, Detroit did that for a few, three, four years. Um, as, as a major league coach, when somebody comes up from AAA or from AA, what are the things, one, that makes them successful? What are the – I mean, obviously they can all play. There's Nobody's coming up with no talent. Um, what are the things that make them successful? And then what are the things that make them a quadruple-A player? Well, actually, um, you know, the more and more what's happened in baseball is – from an early time on in, in their career, they're, they're exposed to the major league during spring training. And so they're getting familiarized with that big league surroundings in terms of playing with the, 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 the actual big league players, even though they're not going to go, they might go to a ball or double a AA or triple a, uh, and they well know that, but they're getting exposed to all that. And plus they're getting exposed to the staff. So, so there's a little bit more of a, you know, comfortability, you know, I would say with the player before he gets there. And then, once he's done that, then there's still the hype and there's still the anxiety and everything once they get called up. But it's usually it's a little bit easier to transition to the big leagues that way. Now, the guys that struggle, um, because what happens now is everything everything is, uh, you know, there's video on everybody. There's, uh, you know, you've got GameCast, you've got everything. The ABS system is from the lowest level all the way down. So, you pretty much know their strengths and weaknesses before they get to the big league. So there's not that, what can this kid do? It's, it's, it's more or less, you know what he can do, but how will he react with the, uh, as Rick Stelmazic would say, the triple deck syndrome, Joey, the triple deck, you know, when they get in that big ballpark and they see all three, what, well, how are they going to handle that? How are they going to handle the press and the media and, and everything that surrounds baseball? If they, if the staff and stuff are there to bring them along and, and uh, nurture them, they usually handle it pretty well. But some of them, you know, they get caught up in the world and the game gets a little fast and all of a sudden they start swinging pitches they don't intend to. Pitches don't throw strikes when they always have. And, you know, the game just speeds up, the heart rate goes up and all that. We are talking with Joe Vavra, former member of the coaching staff for the Minnesota Twins and the Detroit Tigers. Coincidentally, the top two teams as we speak in the American League Central. Joe, I want you to know that as you're on here with us, you're even getting shout-outs from our sponsors. Uh, we are sponsored by the Blackwoods Group. And Blackwoods Restaurants, of course, the Flaherty family, very All much right. a big part of that. And they say hi to Joe and Lisa. So they wanted to get that out while we could. So I wanted to do that also. But at the same time, the I yeah. want to talk to you a little bit about 
we've talked about changes in baseball in general. And the more things change, the more they stay the same. And I say it this way because we cover Minnesota sports on this show every week. And Minnesota sports have, you know, suffered is maybe a minimalistic way of putting it. But I chuckle at the fact that there were some teams that you were on as a coach and people said, boy, this team doesn't have enough big boppers. I wish they had that. And then this franchise had the Bomba Squad and home runs became their calling card, if you will. And now, obviously, they traded away Luis Arise, a batting champion. This team strikes out a ton. And this fan base is going, we need guys that will just put the ball in play and use the whole field like you used to preach. Are you laughing at the fact that some of these mantras are coming right back to where you had them to begin with? Yeah, you know what? The cycles of the game, it's what goes around, comes around, and it always seems to revert back. And Claude Osteen, I talked to him a while back. He was a pitcher with the Dodgers and a good instructor. He said, Joey, the the game has a way of correcting itself. You know, you think things are this and that, and they should be this and that, and it always kind of comes around in cycles, and, and you just kind of laugh at it, and that's kind of what you end up doing. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I look back in those twins teams. Yeah, we had we had an interesting mix of power and speed, and and uh, you know, putting the ball in play and hitting and running, and that was their style. You know, that was uh, more of uh, more contact type of hitters, and um, not that they couldn't hit for power, but um, you know, there was there was more there was there was more more of a team chemistry when we we put the ball in play and ran around a little bit, and, and uh, we seemed to score a bunch of runs. No question about that. The running game at least has returned a little bit to the sport and that's been fun to watch as well. I want to talk to you about the way the American League Central looks right now though because the two teams that you had an affiliation with I just mentioned are at the top. The Twins have been kind of in the thick of things for a number of years. The Tigers have been up and down a bit like a roller coaster. You know some of their personnel well from your time there. Are you surprised right now that they're competing as well as they are or was this part of the plan that you know you were part of building to begin with? Well, they've been rebuilding since about 16, so it's it's a long time coming, and they they uh, they probably you know they're a little late to get getting to the top tier, but you know what? It's it's uh, they we don't have a whole lot of players that we had when we when I got there in uh, 18. There's there's not a lot of them. Um, of course, Cabrera is there and stuff like that, but um, they made some changes. They've thrown some money out there. The pitching staff is much better. Um, some of the issues of injuries and stuff are still with them, but they're, they're going to compete. The central is just wide open. It isn't, you know, Kansas City's at the bottom, but it's just wide open. I, and I think the schedule, the new schedule and, and um, is changing things. I think that's for the better because, you know, I'm, you're still going to have your rivalries. You're just not going to have them 19 times. So you're, you're going to get different teams. You're, you're not going to be familiar with. And I think it's for both teams that are facing each other. There's a, you know, it isn't like you're going to just get blown away because you're, you faced him five times and he's beaten you every time. It's, it's not going to be like that. You're, you're going to face new guys. And um, so that's, that within itself changes the whole complexion of, of the divisions. Absolutely. And speaking of the divisions, the American league central, the antithesis to them is kind of the American league East where everybody's great. And, it can be described as wide open, but if you don't bring your A game for about a week, you could be buried as well. Obviously, you've got an eye on the American League East with Taryn playing as part of the Orioles. That team is just fun to me. I like Santander, Mullins. Obviously, I love Taryn. That's a good thing going in Baltimore. How much fun has it been to, to be part of that, even from the outside a bit? Well, 
Terrence really likes it. I mean, he's team chemistry guy, and and they have that. They have a good core of really young players. I mean, they're so they're so loaded. I mean, they they had six of the top 100 prospects in all of baseball, and they're knocking at the door. And you know, shoot, you 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 go, wow. I mean, <laughs> you're you're pretty good in left. You're pretty good in center. You're pretty good in right. You're you're pretty good all the way around the infield. They got Gold Glove. Uh, quality guys, your catchers, kind of a, a Joe Mauer back there can hit and catch and throw, and and then your pitching staff are all young guys with good arms and locate the fastball pretty well, and, and they compete, and your pen is rock solid. So, so it's a, it's a nightly thing where you feel you got a chance. So offensively, you feel better. Now, in, in Terrence's case, they got a good bench. You know, they whoever they bring in, um, they they play well. I was, I was fortunate to go out there in Baltimore on Sunday, Mother's Day. And uh, he played Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He didn't play Thursday uh, when we came home. But I was fortunate to see him three games live. And he had pretty good games. So, um, you know, he fits in, and uh, that's kind of the whole concept. Everybody fits. And as Gardy would say, everybody grabs an oar. And, and, uh, or Tom Kelly and everybody used to say, grab an oar. And, and uh, they, they seem to be doing that. No question about that. I want you to know that the Terran Vavra influence knows no bounds on us. Dave Cook plays a video game where he just picked up Terran Vavra, and I'm in a fantasy league where you might as well know that Terran Vavra was drafted by me. Terran Vavra showed up. I didn't, I didn't pick him. It was like, oh, hey, I know this major leaguer. He jumped up on my game. Absolutely, but I would be remiss, speaking of the game, if I didn't ask about the other two boys that we know very well. Trey, of course, made his mark with the Duluth Huskies. Tanner, another Northwoods leaguer that I got to know very well. Love the entire family, but fill us in on those two as well because coaching was part of their game. Yeah, Tanner is with uh, St. Thomas, and uh, of course they went from Division Three to Division One, and they're they're learning. You know, their hands are kind of tied in what they can do um, going to that level. So they're learning. They're learning the hard way. You know, they got a good schedule right now. They're in uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico, playing New Mexico State, and. Uh, I think they're finishing up there. So they've had a long year, but, uh, you know, when you're running off freshmen and sophomores, for the most part, you, you're going to take your lumps when you're, when you're facing, you know, the, the Oral Roberts. And the, even the, the, both the Dakota teams are pretty good, and, and that summer league is fair. And so um, he's doing that. And then Trey is working for a – he's doing business solutions out of the – out of really, that's out of Eau Claire, but C.O. Johnson – um, and he's doing the business solution side of the new phase, uh, new, I guess you would say a new part of the company that um, they're bringing him along on. So, so he's and he's doing, he's running his business, doing his lessons, you know, on the weekends and then uh, a couple nights a week. Uh, he works a few hours, but doesn't complicate his work schedule with E.O. Johnson. So, those guys are doing great, and um, you know, what heck, we got sun out today. We got. Uh, Two o'clock, uh, Toronto and uh, Baltimore. Pretty good day. I was gonna say it That's sounds pretty, pretty good, good because day. the last question I was gonna ask was we touched on just about everybody. What about you? Because when we first would talk to you on this show, and even when we first met, it was you know you were in the clubhouse preparing for this road trip and that road trip. Those days are gone. Are you lying in the water with a baseball game on somewhere? How is uh, retired life continuing to treat you? Well, it's fine. Uh, you know, I would. I, I definitely miss the players and the, the staff that I was around. Um, I, I'm, I feel good that I was in the game for 40 years and just basically passed it on, you know, and, and um, I feel good about that. I feel good about, uh, I wouldn't change a thing, put it that way, because 
uh, people I came across and, um, you know, they, they, I guess the both ways, you know, uh, the people I met coming and going were, um, have been fantastic. And now it's just a different endeavor. And it's kind of like, uh, again, like Stel Mazik would say, you know, that baseball stuff, Joey, that's Wally world. You're in Wally <laughs> world there. You're in the real world now. And, uh, yeah, it's, I'm thinking about, boy, I got to buy my own plane tickets, my own, uh, <laughs> uh, rides to the ballpark, my own hotel rooms. I go, and I'm that, I'm so far away from the, the action. I go, I don't like it. I don't like sitting in the crowds and all that stuff and listening to them talk bad about everybody. I said, I like that protection of sitting in the dugout. <laughs> we're at ground level, good good angle to the pitches. That's very fair. I would certainly miss fine. that as well. The good news is we don't have to miss you too badly because you've always been good to us. I appreciate the yep. time again. Great to hear you and the family is doing well. Go Twins, go O's, and thank you very much again for staying in touch with us and having the time today. All right, guys. Take her easy. Thanks, Joe. Absolutely. Yeah. That's our guy, Joe Vavra. Met him years ago with the Duluth Huskies, and the friendship knows no bounds, and I love that. Yeah, no, that's, guys, that's the best thing about sports is those relationships that you make that tie through the different sports and the different ages. If any Twins fan out there is looking for a secondary team to root for as well, let me highly recommend the Baltimore Orioles and Duluth Huskies own and Joe Vavra's own, Taryn Vavra. That does it for segment one of hour two, but when we come back, the baseball talk does not end. About a quarter of the way through the season, time for some Twins quarterly awards. Some you want to get, some you don't. Stick around, we'll be right back. I do, each and every day as well. Welcome back to the Northland Sports Page, the first place Minnesota Twins, never mind the division and the pathetic nature of it. The Minnesota ah. Twins are 24-21, and 21, losers of three of their last four. The West Coast road trip has not been kind to them, but again, standings-wise, you can't argue that the first quarter of the season has been pretty good for this team. On the mound especially, words you thought you'd never utter about the Minnesota Twins. But as we've done in seasons past, especially last year, time to do our quarterly awards yeah. for the Minnesota Twins. So how this works, and it's going to be part of Drawing Lines this week, courtesy of Royal Architecture Studio, how this works is we give an MVP, we give a Cy Young, we give an Anthony Young. And those of you that don't know Anthony Young's tales of Major League Baseball, Google it. He wasn't necessarily a terrible pitcher by some numbers. The win-loss record, that's Epic. terrible. Epic. Yes. He could Epically pitch for the, bad. He could pitch for the A's this year. He could come out of the Twins' bullpen right now if they have a lead in the he, seventh, but that's foreshadowing. He might be the ace of this year's Oakland A's team. At his current age? Yes. It's possible as well. Age. So we'll do an MVP of Cy Young and Anthony Young. Then we'll do biggest surprise, which is supposed to have a positive connotation to it. But in case you're surprised by something negative, the biggest disappointment will follow as well. Yep, yep. You have another bucket you can use. Absolutely. So do you want to do it exactly in that order? Do you want to start with your MVP at the quarter poll on Preakness Day, if you will, for the Minnesota Twins? Yeah, I think we can do that. I, can, I think we can do that, Brian. Let's start with with our MVP. And it's it's actually sort of difficult because... You As know, I say, we say our, but I wonder where we're going to differ here. The the problem with with how they set up right now is that... You know their their offense has been good, not great. It hasn't really produced in the clutch. You know, it's so it's it's been kind of a weird thing. My my MVP for the first part of the year. Um, so I'd re- I am so the hesitation shows yes. you how hard this is because well, everybody has been peak and Valley City because everybody's going to give me grief when I well, say Kirilov. And, and we've already had a Cy Young as an award we could give out. So I don't like the idea. This has happened in big league baseball rarely, yeah. but I don't like the idea of giving one of their pitchers right. the MVP. Although if you look at it, you probably should. I yes. won't because of that. So 
You're going to say Kirilov no, even with that I'm small not, sample because size? I don't want people texting you and saying, well, he's only got like 12 games That's right. in. People text me I'm, every time you try to say Cordero I'm, Patterson I'm anyway. So, I'm so uncomfortable getting picked on. But <laughs> Really? This, this show is almost in year six. It would have been canceled by now. <laughs> I think that I think the MVP, honestly, I think the MVP for this team is Joey Gallo. When he's playing, um, they're a better team. You know, he plays defense well. He doesn't hit for an average, but when he hits, it does damage. He's on base. He seems to be a professional who's enjoying playing for Minnesota because, you know, goodness gracious, he's had two rough years. And so I think he genuinely likes being here, and he's performing better than we thought he was going to. I love that pick for a multitude of reasons. I think the defense is underrated. We talk about yep. how much he mashes baseballs, and that's absolutely true. It sells my theory of if you're looking at batting average and that's the way you critique a player, you're doing it wrong these days. Joey Gallo at the present moment is hitting 214, but he does take walks. His on-base percentage at least starts with a three. There are plenty of players, including my MVP, whose on-base percentage starts with lower than that. The OPS is huge because the slugging percentage is huge. I don't mind Joey Gallo as an MVP pick at all. The only reason I didn't use him is because he did have an injured stint. And so his sample size is a little small too. But I think... Probably the more I hear you justify it and hear me back you up, it probably is the right choice. Mine is just a bit of a man crush because I brought him up in my win play show as well. My MVP is Michael A. Taylor. And it probably shouldn't be because you look at the numbers and you say, why? He's hitting 222. His on-base percentage isn't much higher than that. His slugging percentage is Luis Arise's batting average, so which makes his OPS pretty low. But I'm just used to, and this is very much an intangible pick. I'm just used to Byron Buxton can't play. This team is garbage because they put somebody in the outfield who doesn't belong there. Sorry, Jake Cave, I might be picking on you, but there were others as well. Michael A. Taylor with Byron Buxton unable to play center field. Yes, Byron Buxton is playing. I understand that. He's in the lineup. He's hitting, yes. But Michael A. Taylor has made this team not necessarily suffer with Byron Buxton's vacancy from actually playing center field. He's older. He's seasoned. He can still run. He can still hit a little bit. At the beginning of the year, his at-bats look like garbage. I think that's part of the reason the numbers I gave you are where they are. But lately, his plate appearances at least, can't even call him at-bats because he walks a little bit too, look a little more professional in an offense that has had so many peaks and valleys when it comes to professional looking at-bats. Yeah, I think you can make that argument because he brings the value in the field. Like his, it, Without him, they'd have to run Buxton out there who's going to play seven and right. need three games off. And so I th- I. Th- think he's a good pick I don't think he's he might become a better pick because Nick Gordon's out now well you know my opinion is on now, Nick Gordon well, as well. well but because now if it's not Taylor and it's not Buxton it's who yeah no nope, you I, don't know it's it's, it's Gallo trying Matt, to play center Matt Waller yeah is, Gallo Matt Waller's not even play. here you know right no but if he's Kyle if he Garlic down, trying to play center if ish. he goes down you're going to need to bring somebody up and I think that's got to be Walner because he's hitting a little bit and he can play yep. in the outfield but you're right who plays center field it's probably Gallo I, I think your choice is still correct I I'm going to stand by my own choice but Joey Gallo is the right choice for the MVP in my opinion so the Cy Young this is hard and the yes. fact that it's hard because they're all good is fun it's been hard in years past because you go, well, I got to give it to someone. I guess he's not terrible. The mound presence on this team, especially with starters, has been tremendous. You could hear arguments for two. You want to say three because you wish Pablo Lopez would be a little bit better so far. But you could certainly hear arguments for Sonny Gray with his ERA where it is and Joe Ryan for just being a machine. I went with Joe Ryan because his record is a, is a little bit better. I feel like the innings under duress have been a lot less. I feel like Sonny Gray is wiggling in and out of trouble a lot more, and that pitch count is up, so the innings are down. But the other difference with Joe Ryan is, well, 
it's pretty easy to be him and sit in a rocking chair because a lot of his wins, the Twins put up double-digit right. runs, and that's a different game. Sonny Gray has been in meat-grinding situations, some due to his own fault, but some due to the way the offense has played. Joe Ryan hasn't. I know they lost last night in a Joe Ryan start, but I guess I just feel a little more at ease when Joe Ryan's filling up the strike zone. I gave it to him just barely over Sonny Gray. And I think you have to throw Ober in there. And I know he hasn't been up the whole year, but his record is almost the same. He's as, been super good. He, yeah. he, he would be a better biggest surprise candidate for me because right now between Kirloff and uh, Bailey Ober, you're giving the St. Paul Saints quarterly awards. Yeah, but I think that Ober, with half the starts, has the exact – or I, he might be one less win now than Sonny Gray has. Um, but my first, half, uh, Cy, my first half Cy Young is Sonny Gray. Okay. And it's because he – I mean, we've, he has given Ryan the opportunity to pitch against lesser pitchers, right? Because he's taken on number ones. You know, Lopez oh, and started even so because hot. Pablo was the number one. Lopez was really good to start, and now he's had a couple of bad bad starting. He's going to need to be really good Sunday. How good is Pablo versus Shohei going to be? Yeah, right. Hopefully. Is, is, is it going to be? Is right. it going to be? Right. Um, and, and Lopez probably is your number one long term. But Sonny Gray is the guy who's put this team on his back at the beginning of the season. And and so I think Sonny Gray is your Cy Young. So Anthony Young, who's the pitcher that as soon as he takes the mound, go, oh boy, disaster's ahead. Now the low-hanging fruit is Emilio Pagan, and we saw Twitter Nation, Pitchfork Nation, come out when he imploded against the Dodgers earlier this week. And yes, it was terrible and it cost him the game. But really, Emilio Pagan has had two disastrous outings. Now if you go back to last year, he's had a lot more than two, and I get it. But I think that's why. This is not overall Twins career awards. This is quarterly. I'm not going to go with Emilio Pagan because for the most part, outside of Boston and outside of LA, so big cities on each coast, he's been bad. You know, Emilio Pagan has been okay, but he's a low leverage reliever. And I'm not sure that's what they had in mind when they brought him here. Think back to last year when they tried him as a closer right away and it went terribly. So Emilio Pagan would be the low hanging fruit. And I'm sure if we put this on Twitter, he'd win going away. I got to go to the guy who blew the game last night. It's Griffin Jacks. It's May 20th. Griffin Jacks has six losses. The Twins, as a team, have 21. That's a lot for a reliever to have already. Now, there's tons of analytics that could say, well, it's been bad luck. And there's a lot of truth to that. But it's fool me once, fool me twice. Where do we get on the sixth time? There's something that Griffin Jacks used to have that he doesn't have anymore. And I know the eye test says it's Emilio Pagan. But for me, the numbers are close enough between Jacks and Pagan. ERA is right around 56 Whips right around one and a half. Pagan's a little lower. Jack's a little higher. But it's, again, victim of expectations because Jax is in in high leverage situations. Correct. Up by one or tied. Emilio Pagan is usually in down by one or two or more. And then he pitches well to keep you in the game. And then the offense wakes up. So expectations aside, it would be Pagan. But expectations factored in. It's Griffin Jax for me. That's the disappointment. He's the Anthony Young. I'm taking a step a different direction, Brian, and, okay. and this guy is on the injured reserve list. Kenta? Yes. Wow. Because Kenta, I mean, as let's face it, at the beginning of the year, if Kenta pitches well, he's your number two. Well, he got hurt again, okay, and that's that's not on him. I don't think he was ready to come back, but personally. 0-4 with a 9 ERA? Right. Wanting, that's not competitive. Think about what you said earlier. The Twins have X amount of wins, and a guy with four starts has four losses and an ERA of 9. He is the Anthony Young this year. I, I I like Kenta. It's really too bad that he is injured because I like the guy right. as far as a starting pitcher, but he's been awful. Remember how excited we were not to have Chris Archer? We yes. basically had it in four starts with Kenta Maeda. Yes, we did. So he's my Anthony Young to start this season. All right, biggest surprise. Who's been Mr. Positive that you had slim to no expectations for? Could be a pitcher, could be a player. 
Yeah, for me, this is where Kirilov falls because we didn't know. I mean, he came off of an injury where they broke his arm in order to shrink it, and we didn't know what we were going to get. And when he came back, he raked a little bit, um, um, but he's he's kept he's kept on raking, right? He's consistent. He's driving the ball. He's not a you know he's not Gallo. He's not hitting the ball straight up in the air. He's hitting line drives all over the place. He solidifies a lineup when he's out there. It makes everybody kind of falls into the right spot right. when he's there. He's not a butcher at first. Uh, he's my big surprise. Fully agree with it, but I think it makes for better radio, at least if we make things differently. <laughs> um, if you said, who's your favorite position player to watch right now? Alex Kirloff is that guy for me. Again, I'm about professional at bats. Whether you hit the ball out of the ballpark, get a hit or make an out, that's irrelevant. That's how baseball goes. But look like you know what you're doing up there, and Kirloff certainly does that. For me, the surprise is Kyle Farmer because yep. it's a different kind of we didn't know. I don't think we knew anything about this guy. I remember when they acquired him, and that was before Carlos Correa was even going to be part of this team. I don't remember if Carlos was with the Mets or Giants at that time because the way his offseason went. But we had Kyle Farmer, and we went, why? And then, first of all, who is he? You know, looking at his previous tenure in the National League. And we really didn't know where are they going to play him? Are they going to play him? What can he actually do? Now, small sample size because he was hurt and one of the scariest injuries that you're ever going to see. But for some reason... You know, you talk about a lineup falls into place or the chemistry gets better or the overall feel of the team, like Joe Vavra talked about, gets better. There's something with Kyle Farmer on this team where does he hit the ball out of the ballpark? Not very often. Does he necessarily look like a big offensive threat up there? Not really. Are you in love with the way he plays third base? Not really. Maybe it's because I was obsessed with Michael Kadire because Kyle Farmer reminds me a little bit of Michael Kadire. You're pretty good at a lot of things. You're great at nothing. But he's creating more for this team than I thought he would. So my take on Farmer and why I think he makes the team better is he got hit in the mouth with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, broke right. his teeth all out. I promise you that Buxton First would be First game back, out. he got hit again. Buxton would be out for another three weeks, maybe a month. Three years. Part perhaps, of that contract would be gone. Perhaps. Um, Correa wouldn't be back this fast. I mean, Farmer is an old school, yeah, okay, I got hit in the mouth, but this is what I do for a living. Let's get back at it. Uh, I think there's a lot of guys on this baseball team that can see that and maybe realize that getting back and playing is not a terrible idea. You got him and you got Kirloff, who both had injuries that are astounding, and they're playing. And so I think that I think you can value. I think there's a value to that on this team in particular. I agree. Nobody's going to confuse Kyle Farmer with say a Luis Arise, but I just talked to Joe Vavra about how. There were times where Minnesota fans wanted mashers. Well, now they've got a bunch. Now they just need a guy that'll get a hit for you once in a while. Kirilov is a little bit that way. I think Farmer is that way. So not surprised we picked them both. Biggest disappointment, is is this too easy? I mean, there are lots of candidates because there there's been so many slumps and whatnot. Yep, yep. For me, this is expectations. How is it not Carlos Correa? I mean, he's hit some balls on the screws and had bad luck, and he's a plus defensive shortstop. Maybe better. But you can't be... In the high-level situations, it's not high leverage because it's not the same as pitching, but you know, you can't be every day in a big spot in a batting order yep. and be crowned a team leader and maybe the face of the franchise, even though you haven't been a Minnesota Twin for very long, and produce as feebly as he has. Now, other candidates, I was the biggest Jose Miranda fan on the planet, yep. and I had to say was because he's not on the big league roster anymore. Yep. How the mighty have fallen. You know, Sophomore slump, I didn't want to give him that label. I still don't because now it's got to be something worse than a sophomore slump if he's stuck not even on a major league roster. But I think expectationally speaking, if you don't go with Correa, 
you're not doing it right, but I hate going with Correa because it seems like low-hanging fruit because of the money he makes. Too many people think, well, yes. he's got to be, you know, 300, 25, and 100. Well, I don't get into that because baseball does it differently. You earn the money based on what you've done. Joe Maurer did that. Post that contract, he wasn't very good, but I didn't have a problem with the money he made. Football does it a little differently. They compare to the free agency class. You could be mad at Kirk Cousins' contract because I never thought he earned it. It was just the going market rate for a quarterback. And frankly, since Kirk signed, he's been better than the Kirk prior to that contract that was in Washington. But baseball's different. If you're going to rag Correa because of the financial investment, I'm not sure I agree. But the lack of production, I'm all over yeah, I'm, you know, and honestly, because of the way he plays defense, and I still think he's a pillar on that team, it's not for me, Correa. It's, it's weird because even when he struggles, you feel more comfortable when he's there. Yes, 100%. My, it's, it's Jose Miranda. It, it is because not he's a butcher at third. He was worse at first. Right. When he could hit, you said, hey, you know what? The kid rakes. But he looked lost up there, Brian. It, it, it looked, so you remember last year. He came up and just was way overmatched. Yep. Then he was sent down for, for about a 45 day. minutes. Yeah. Came back up and hit 340 the rest of the way, but kind of tapered off at the end of the season again. Um, this year, you know, you built your lineup. You built your roster. That yep. third base was kind of taken care of. He was so bad now that everything you read says the first third baseman that comes up is Lewis. Yep. That Miranda may never see the light of day because the second guy called up is Lee. Like Miranda, I don't know what he did, but he went when he got cut. I don't know if he told him that he was fine, don't send me down, or what it was, but it looks like he's been buried. Well, and it looks like Jorge Polanco is probably headed for the injured list, which is probably going to mean Julianne's going to be back in the lineup. Yep. That says something, too. Now, I know it's not the same position, but you could have put Kyle Farmer even last night late in the game. They had Solano playing second. And you could have brought up Miranda to go back at third and go, okay, you just had to tweak a couple things. Are you ready again? The answer seems to be no. But I think it is exciting knowing that Royce Lewis can be here as of June 1st if the Twins choose to do that. The hope, of course, is that they do. And that might take away another take of mine. As much as people are upset about the Luis Arise trade because trading a batting champion seems unheard of unless you're the Twins. Franchise history, they've done it twice, by the way. Mm -hmm. But I was for a while, especially when Miranda was floundering, more upset about Gio Urshela's departure than I was about Luis Arise. Yeah, no, I I get that, Brian. Because I, you weren't sure who your second third baseman was going to be then. Hundred percent right. I, I just they planned so much of their future franchise around Miranda that when he had a and he had a really bad start. Don't get me wrong. When I say bad start, I'm not underplaying it. They just hit the eject button. Right. I mean, it was like, okay, you're done. Have we seen the end of Jose Miranda? I kind of think we have. Does he He'll make have, the Does he make the world's greatest trade bait then? Well, and then when his career bait. takes off, he becomes a third base version of David Ortiz. Maybe, maybe his problem is he'll make uh, the David Ortiz comparison because he can't play in the field. Right? Well, and David Ortiz has a lot of power. The problem going into this year is Jose Miranda suddenly had none. None. Slugging percentage. There's got to be something that we don't know about behind the scenes. You hope. Otherwise, where did a talent go? Yeah. Yep. Speaking of where a talent went, the world lost a great one in NFL history. We closed the show paying homage to a legend. Just a few minutes left. That is Drawing Lines, courtesy of Roll Architecture Studio. Those are our Twins Awards. We all had the award of knowing about Jim Brown. We pay homage to him when we come back. Stick around. We'll be right back. Back here on the Northland Sports page, we talked a lot of baseball in hour number two. We're going to close with some football. That song, of course, has a baseball theme to it, but the name of the song is The Greatest from Kenny Rogers. And yesterday, the NFL may have lost their greatest ever, certainly of his generation, with the passing of Jim Brown. And I want to start with that. Of course, the world mourns the passing of an icon in a sport, an icon in culture, an icon of a race, what have you. But I think the greatest, 
I did it with Prince, not to morph into music, but I certainly did it in the sense that you don't appreciate what you have till it's gone. And I really started to kind of reinvent my Prince fandom post his death. I hope for the legacy of Jim Brown that people pay closer attention to how good he was. Now, I talked to some people yesterday who immediately when they heard the news said that's the GOAT, and, and I tend to agree. But there's a certain age group that, first of all, you can talk about running backs having less importance now. You can also talk about there's just the Barry versus Emmett versus maybe LaDainian Tomlinson, Walter Payton. And Jim Brown, I almost draw a parallel to Henry Aaron to go back to baseball. Oh, People forget how incredibly wonderful he was. And when they talk about the best players, they left him out and never should have. When Henry Aaron passed, we brought it back up. With Jim Brown, you better. You should have never let go of the idea. Yeah, there is a generation that, I mean, if you ask them who the best football player of all time is, Jim Brown's the answer. And then you say Brady, and they said, yeah, well, he was set up, right? Right. Uh, uh, here's the thing I want to bring up, Ryan. They played 12 They played twelve games back when Brown was there, and they played 14 at the end of his career. Here's his yearly yardage, 1,500, 1,300, 1,200, 1,400, 900, 1,800, 1,400, 1,500, we're like, oh my gosh, our player has been fantastic at 1,500 yards, and we play 17 games. Right. Imagine somebody not playing five games a year and still bleeding the entire deal uh, in rushing. And tough as nails. Everybody said he was the toughest player, the best runner. He still caught 40-some balls a year. He left early on his own volition, went into the movies. He was a pillar of the community. He brought race relations into the forefront. I remember when I was a kid, really, that was my first exposure to the race issue was Jim Brown, you know, planting his feet and crossing his arms and saying, this is a problem. And people listened. I mean, Jim Brown was more than just a football player. And yes, we, we lost a big one. 100% in the NFL does a great job of honoring so many things and making it thematic to the season. I hope most of this coming season is some form of dedication to Jim Brown yes. because the impact that he had, we didn't spend enough time on it, but I don't know that we could have. Correct. And, and again, this is a, a generational best player of all time. Prove me I'm wrong. You know what I mean? 100% correct. So rest in peace, Jim Brown, the sports world, lost a mammoth personality and again, an impact that words can't describe. And maybe in a sense, that's okay because we're out of time to use words to describe yep. his impact today. We're out of time in general. It was a blast. It always is. Thank you to Dave Hoops. Thank you to Joe Vavra. Thank you, Dave Cook. Welcome back. Well, it's good to be back, Brian. Thank you very much for your, the uh, point guard ability today. We had a good show, and we will talk to you soon. We will talk to you next Saturday, Memorial Day weekend next Saturday. Enjoy this one. It's nice out. Take advantage. Take care, Northland.